This week's episode of Aussie Tech Ads is brought to you by Start New Company. Register your company immediately today with ASIC. ABN, TFN, GST registration is also available directly from the portal. Also set up your family trust and self-managed superannuation fund and more. All at startnewcompany.com.au. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash startnewco and keep an eye out for our regular specials. Start your new company now within 10 minutes of lodgement. All legal company documentation provided after registration. startnewcompany.com.au Also brought to you by athwebhosting.com.au. All our servers are operating on SSD drives, immediate activation, SSL certificates, Aussie support, domain registration, and more. Easy install WordPress, Joomla, Drupal, and 300 other one-click installations. Generous space and bandwidth, auto backups, WordPress help and maintenance plans are also available on contact. If your webpage is important for your business or your life, contact us today. Aussie support, secure services, athwebhosting.com.au. And now for the show. Welcome to episode 679 of the Aussie Tech Heads, recorded on the 30th of May, 2020. I'm your host, Jason Oakley, and this is my co-host, Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Hey, mate. Good to see you back again. Uh, Seems like we were only here a few minutes ago. At least episode 677, 678 or 679. Nine. <laughs> uh, well, I better change that then. I'm swear Can I changed that. that? Yeah. I've already done this once, but it mustn't have updated. It's been oh, one oh. of those nights tonight where just... Pain, pain and suffering in uh, shoes. My computer is having trouble with the Wi-Fi. It really didn't want to do anything, dropping packets and halting and all sorts of craziness. Yeah, but all you had to do was uninstall your Wi-Fi drivers and it works perfectly fine. Yes. <laughs> I went into the device manager and right-clicked on the Wi-Fi driver, hit uninstall and that fixed it. So <laughs> it obviously doesn't need one. It's just Windows <laughs> is so sophisticated these days. It's one it of doesn't the, even need a driver. And it it's works. a new driverless PC. It's a new Tesla PC. Oh, well, there you go. Thank you, Elon. You've done something good recently, I guess. Uh, and then that, half the world hates you now because of... Anyway, we won't go into that. Actually, have you seen there's a video they've just put up um, on CNC, CBS, I think it is, whatever, CBS Prime. Um, Elon Musk and Jay Leno. And Jay Leno gets to drive the Cybertruck. Oh, and he's a how do you like it? He loves it. He is great. It's there's a bit and except for like, the launch day i haven't heard anything about the cyber truck anywhere no, in it's, news or it's made it made, made it a few bits and pieces but it was yeah. funny because he's like um so why did you decide to make the the glass bulletproof and then i must like so you don't want a bulletproof car he's like well no that's not what i was saying <laughs> <laughs> he's like well there you go that answers the question who doesn't want a bulletproof car <laughs> <laughs> everybody wants it so then they took it through the boring tunnel, which was the test tunnel they did. Oh, they completed that, yeah. Yeah, so they took it through the boring tunnel, and it just fits. Like, it's <laughs> it's a bit wider than a Tesla. 
And um, then they took it to the elevator at the end, which takes them up to the top. And they don't literally just fit on the elevator. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Elon's like, we haven't put this through the tunnel yet. We don't actually know if it'll fit. <laughs> and like, you can see, you can see Jay's getting closer and Elon's like looking out the window like, yeah, I think you're good. <laughs> <laughs> We're either going to make it or we'll die, but either way, it'll mm. make good TV. It was funny. But yeah, no, he's saying that the, the, the truck pretty much as you see it it's got to be made i think you said like i think you said four percent smaller or overall because yeah. it's like just like four percent too wide to be classes like to fit into a normal car garage and stuff like that yeah so so they're gonna do that but that's that's pretty much it it's basically ready for production now so it should be starting to roll out production soon sweet which should be cool when are you getting yours um when our patreon really really takes off what's all this stuff up the top here uh, in patreon.com slash Aussie Techheads and twitter.com slash Aussie Techheads and facebook.com slash Aussie Techheads and Aussie Techheads.com and all those. Yeah. Aussie Tech, uh, uh, Instagram.com slash uh, Aussie Techheads uh, on IG on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. That's just all the places you can get a hold of us and you can. We're everywhere, man. Give us money and uh, Patreon is. I've been everywhere, man. I am everywhere, man. I just figured I'd put Twitter, it. Man. Just figured I'd put on the video just to make it easier to to see, instead of having to go down to the link and look for it and find it, and then we forget to put it there and it's not there anyway. And that's um, because all the people who've been contacting us all the time saying, "How do we get to see all your other stuff and give you money?" Well, that one email I got several months ago, I finally got around answering because I've been so busy. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> but uh, speaking of Patreon, uh, Chris is still our primary supporter on Patreon. Thank you. Um, it's um, there's several tiers there. You help us out, whichever one you choose. Um, we love tiers. We're always in tiers, um, especially <laughs> if people don't sign up. We'll be in more tiers. But just uh, you don't feel obliged to do so. But if you do, it definitely helps us out. We uh, we're not affiliated with YouTube or anything, so we don't make money on YouTube. We don't have paid sponsors, so uh, any money that goes on there will actually go towards the show. It'll be invested in new hardware or new software or paying for hosting or whatever we need to do so playing warlock and new wi-fi card. <laughs> new wi-fi car <laughs> oh dear so a couple of new led lights for his green screen so that it works properly that would be good <laughs> i won't look so well actually i'm looking a bit green and you are lighter looking, than you are <laughs> you're actually looking pretty ordinary tonight there's no natural light here <laughs> But um, yeah, so check us out on all the places and, and um, don't forget to, you know, communicate with us and give us feedback and yell at us when we do stuff wrong because, you know, it all makes us feel better in the long run. I can comment <laughs> and stuff. That's it. It all helps. It, it really does. It's just, just knowing that people are listening makes a big difference. Of course, we are streaming. It is um, actually sun- yeah, it's Sunday, idiot. It's Saturday night currently. Feels you, like it. As you can tell by the time and date on the screen, which is why I put it there. No hiding anywhere from you. This is when we're recording. We're supposed to be Thursday night. We uh, we didn't because Warlock got a, a, a special feature that he's going to unveil later. But um, stopped us from doing it Thursday night. But decided to do it tonight. And um, the tech, uh, the techs are against us tonight. But we're persevering. We'll so. make it. Don't you worry about that. We're determined to do the the one a week thing just to because. As a Patreon supporter, you're paying for four episodes a month, so we're going to give you four episodes a month. Whether you like it or not. But yeah, you're going to have four <laughs> episodes that. a month, and you don't have a choice about it. That's what you get. And if you don't watch it, I'm going to come around to your house, and I'm going to shove the USB drive down your throat. 
rip your bloody arms off. Who's that? Who was that? Um, Annie Jack. Annie Jack. That's right. It was Annie <laughs> uh, That was funny. So what I've been up to lately is uh, making a Spectrum game using the multi-platform arcade game designer software. I've been helping them upgrade it and put in new features and stuff. And I made this cool little game called Cory Kilbrew, the platformer for um, Spectrum computers. And if you've got a Spectrum or an emulator that's uh, got the AY chip in it, there's a nice tune there made by Mike Richmond. Yeah, it's not bad. We actually, uh, I was doing a search today on the name Corey Kilbrew, and it turned up that uh, we were mentioned in a podcast for uh, video game music. And Mike tells me he's in an interview in the next episode that's coming out soon. Oh, nice. But uh, you can see there's some robots uh, going up and down. Some go sideways, and some actually, those red ones there will home in on you and chase after you if you get to near where they are. So. Is, some that go up and down that do the same thing. Is diagonal a thing you can do? Uh, not built into it. You could easily uh, program it. I just haven't done any diagonal stuff. Yeah. I was just curious if it was like, because I know obviously it would have to, the way it would handle the sprites and stuff would be like, it would be very blocky. Yeah. It doesn't inherently. Well, it moves, moves pixel at a time. So at the moment, oh, okay. you just say, um, it uses a very basic style commands to write stuff so anyone could do it even if kids have learned scratch or something like that it'd be simple because it's just like if sprite can go right go right so if you want to do diagonal you go if sprite can go right and sprite can go up then go up then go right okay and it'll cool. go diagonal now nice. and uh much later you haven't seen a um a robot that's in there that actually goes up and down ladders after you as well so oh ai <laughs> AI, well, it's kind of fake AI. They <laughs> oh. just randomly move around, but all the other ones have got some a bit of AI. It's in like Pac-Man AI. Fun. So you get that uh, if you go to bluebilby.com, which is my retro computer website that used to say this is the site for all stuff VZ, and then it's like, oh, okay, well now we've got some Spectrum. Oh, we might do some Commodore 64 in the future, so I updated the site <laughs> today to do that. But if you scroll right down, you'll be able to see a link there for Corey Coolbrew on my itch.io. And you can download it there. I've had uh, uploaded the game nine hours ago, and uh, it's got sixty-three views and sixteen downloads so far. So not doing too bad. They don't. They're no linky, by the way. Should be where it says itchio down there. Yeah, it doesn't it's work. It's a highlighted link. Ah, uh, it does. Okay, it doesn't work. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a heck of a no, thing, isn't it's it? It's working now. I just had to think about it for like twelve minutes. <laughs> Welcome to, yeah, the, welcome to the wonderful world of internet. Yeah, technology. So, yeah, you can see it there. And if you like it, throw in a few bucks. And uh, if you don't, I don't want to hear from you. Well, <laughs> just hand out money to everybody while you're at it. Yeah, it's great. Though. <laughs> How about you? What have you been up to? Um, fun games? Yeah, just um, it's just been a weird week. We're still suffering from desert weather. Hasn't figured out what if, if it's winter yet. We're still getting. I got the fan on and the aircon on tonight. Uh. <laughs> it's it's stupid. It was twenty nine degrees or something today. It was four degrees last night, and it's still like twenty two or something now. So it's it's just like it's who knows what's going on all over the place. But um, yeah, no, I just you know working and working. 
bit more working. I mean, when I'm not working, I'm working. Yeah, always got something on. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, um, I had a had a bit of a crazy sore throat for the last few weeks. So I went and saw the doctor and he's like, well, I can't see anything. Normally we'd send you to an ENT, but they've all shut down because of COVID. So you can have a CT scan. So I went to the hospital yesterday and got a CT scan. So I don't know if they'll see anything from that, but we'll find out later this week, I guess. Yeah, what's well, it, eh? It's, um... They're like, to, to, to get a really good scan, we can inject some dye into you. Now, most people don't die from this injection, so it's probably okay. But you don't know if you're allergic to it unless we inject you, and then we find out that when you die that you're allergic to it. So I was like, I'll tick the box that says no. <laughs> <laughs> They're, um, they don't generally, yeah. They don't, you don't, even if you are allergic to it, they... You normally don't die from it. It'd have to be a pretty no, bad. Well, it's at the hospital anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, you're in the best place for it, I suppose. Yeah. But um, should we do some noose? Noose. Let us noose. From noose ahead. Do you hear that they're? Um, I don't know if you know noose. Are like is effectively pure tourism. Like, there's no. Yeah, we went there on holiday like 10 years ago. Yeah, there's really no local infrastructure. Everything is tourist-aimed, tourist-based. Um, I was reading a thing the other day saying that they're actually effectively shut down. That there is no tourism. The town's basically closed now. Did? Yeah. Wow. There's, there's just nothing happening. Like, there's no, you know, nothing. So, they're, um, they're going to struggle a lot, apparently. Yeah. Mm. A lot of stuff will be opening up this weekend, so... Maybe that'll help them a bit. Well, at work, we were going to start opening back to our regular trading hours, including Saturday and longer hours during the week. Yep. Uh, last week was so dead that I think we're not going to bother yet. Um, ah. It was that dead that we just... Uh, there's no point. There's, there's nobody... No spending, so there's no point opening. No customers, yeah. Well, the NBN has announced new speed tier bundles available to retail service providers, your telco, who purchase access to the network to sell onto their customers, i.e. you. The new residential speed tiers include a tweaking of the current 100 megabits per second offering, a 250 megabits per second tier, and one delivering speeds of almost one gigabit per second. But the speeds aren't the most exciting part, perhaps spurred on by a claim from former Prime Minister that no one needs a connection over 25 megabits. <laughs> yeah. Some have questioned the need for faster internet speeds, especially ones that approach the one gigabit per second mark. The new upgrades to the NBN also include increased capacity that should hopefully put an end to speeds being slowed and connections dropping out when too many people are using the network at a time. NBN Co said it plans to over-provision the new speed tiers and do the same for existing ones over the next few months to give people a better chance of actually achieving the advertised speed of the internet plan you pay for. The company already increased capacity for telcos after the great work from home migration of late March, where huge numbers of office workers shifted from their homes, uh, shifted to their homes, bringing their business traffic into residential plans with them. Communications Minister Paul Fletcher said the NBN had proven its worth during the pandemic. Over the last few months, the NBN has been the digital backbone of productivity, social cohesion and connectivity with more Australians than ever before, relying on the NBN to connect, work and learn from home. NBN co-successfully managed this increased traffic by working constructively with the industry and its customers to help them adapt to the changing environment. 
This sudden change in how we use the internet, as well as more gradual changes over the past several years, make it a good time to bring faster speeds to market, according to NBN Chief Customer Officer Brad Whitcomb. So yes, I did the thing. I was, I'm with Aussie Broadband, who are one of the first to offer the new one gigabit per second speeds. I was paying uh, $99 a month for 100 meg down. Now I'm paying 149 for up to one gigabit per second down. Uh, I have to plug in an actual computer into the uh, router to find out if the speed is actually being achieved. But uh, testing from my Orbi router, which uh, can show up to about 500 megabits per second, does show around 500. So that's good. Uh, Wi-Fi, of course, has its own limits. It can only do up to about 400, even on the AC. So I can get up to about 400 on the desktop computer. And with two people in the house streaming and watching programs and uh, all that sort of stuff and Twitch, YouTube and Netflix and all that, we can have, you know, 400 megabits per second each over the Wi-Fi and that's plenty enough to go around. So really enjoying it. There, I was watching it all on... Um, on Whirlpool, or as we call it, Winepool <laughs> website forums, when uh, it was uh, coming around to the time it was going to be uh, launched at 3 p.m. Friday afternoon, which is a fantastic time to launch products just before the weekend. Their uh, website, Aussie Broadband's website, went down several times, even cached through Cloudflare, couldn't keep up with it. Their app, uh, my Aussie app, kept on saying oh you have to ring up to get your upgrade done and then they got that fixed and it was only saying you could get up to 250 meg down so ended up ringing up got through within like three or four minutes to a customer service said can i please have the gigabits that was literally what i said so the guy had a good laugh he's like yeah okay we'll just go through proving who you are yep we've enabled that give it a half an hour and bob's your uncle so that was it all well and good and the the Whirlpool page is up to probably about 200 pages worth of stuff just on that one topic at the moment, but everyone's really enjoying the new speeds and uh, really good pricing for unlimited, super fast internet. I just checked on mine and uh, the fastest I can get here is the 140, which is what I'm on. So, Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah there's the you'll only get it if you've got HFC. I think you can do up to 250 and uh, NBN to the house, fiber to the premises can get the one gigabit, but nothing else can. And as it says in a lot of the news stories, the majority of Australians on NBN are on fiber to the node, which will go to about 25 megabits a second, maybe 50 if you're really good. And some will get fiber to the curb, they're just going to get. Like all, really. Yeah, well, I was just looking now. Um, I, I was just going back looking at seeing if I could find my plan, but I don't think even our exchange is on fibre. No. There was a uh, link that they gave us to check what your exchange would connect to. My exchange is up in Coffs Harbour, which is interesting. Point of, of POI, they call it. And... Um, it said on there enabled for one gigabit per second and high speed class four or something. I think it said. Oh, and get it at work. Yep. I'm not signed work up to it. There you go. Doesn't it's actually fast. say though. It says 140. Then it's got the 250, 25, and then it just says the home ultra fast, but it doesn't actually say which. 
Yeah, they branded it ultra fast for the one gigabit per second. Everything else is only super fast. And super's not as good as ultra, Mr. T. <laughs> That's why they've got that character Ultraman who can take on Superman, right? What? <laughs> so, yeah, so I need to, um, I might just let work pay the extra. How much is it? 149. Yeah. Uh, I think we're paying 99. It's actually 50 bucks. Yeah. I don't know. 50 bucks is worth it. I mean, work's going to work or pay for it. <laughs> you could just claim it on tax. Yeah. No, no, work will actually pay for it. Yep. <laughs> like I'll put on that credit card, they can pay for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, uh, Raiders, how you doing, buddy? Um, yeah, so, yeah. That, I mean, the thing is, it's going to be interesting to see once a lot of people take it up. Um, yep. How stupid webcam. Don't. Gone fuzzy again. Um, you know, how the infrastructure and the backbone handles it. It was quite there. interesting when a lot of people were saying on the forum, um, the representatives from Aussie Broadband are on Whirlpool and they're like, sorry, guys, we actually didn't think it would be this much demand. And everyone's like, maybe you should tell the communications minister of your problems with so many people signing up when they said hardly anyone would ever be interested in internet faster than 25 megabits a second. Well, this is the other thing too. Like, I love the way that MBN's like, oh, we've rolled out extra infrastructure to handle it. But infrastructure based on whose calculations? Yeah. And how much extra? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, is it just like... What about our links overseas? Is it just like three extra squirrels they've got on standby? Or yeah, what have they what? got going <laughs> on, you know? So, and whose calculations decided how many extra people they're going to have? Because if it's the same people who calculated the... the the demand that I thought they were going to have, well, they're still going to fall miles short anyway. Yep, exactly. So, I guess it all remains to be seen. Just hope if you're on HFC, not too many people in your network sign up at the same time for the fastest. Yeah, it's only going to. It'll be interesting mainly with things like office blocks and um, and unit unit houses and stuff like that, where you've got multiple people in the one location. I think that's going to be a real test. To see yep. how it performs, um, I don't know if it's going to matter. You know, like around here, even if we had an exchange, you could handle it. We're predominantly in an older person area, so I can't see that many people. Maybe a few of the businesses, and maybe like there's a housing estate over there that's just going in that's going to have younger people in it. But predominantly, it's a, a older person area, so as a rule, you're not going to have that that throughput traffic you know yeah that's why you move here because you're one of the older people right oh but i feel like it today i tell you <laughs> i'm exhausted i'm starting to keep my eyes open it's like nine o'clock tonight and i'm like oh, i gotta do a show now. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> we have to do a show now are you kidding me you know it's you know it's bad when you you like you lay on the floor to play with your kid and then it takes you 14 minutes to stand back up again <laughs> <laughs> it's like those youtube videos with the guys going Oh, uh, just go get the snags v- off the. Viva la dirt league! If you haven't seen the Viva la dirt league skit of the yeah the the uh, what, what happens when you turn thirty, um, yeah. it's hilarious. You need to check it out. <laughs> I'll play it after the show for those people who are on the stream. But um, yeah, it's it's definitely worth a watch. Over so. to you for some news. Some news. Uh, I suppose I can do that. Now we all know of a little person. A little say, a little person. Uh, hardly unknown, very underwhelming person called Linus Trevaldus. 
he didn't do much at all. You know, he only like completely changed the way we look at programming and programs and open source and His public operating domain. systems running on like half the <laughs> internet. Yeah, exactly. Um, he, but basically, there's a um, his most one of the most famous programs in the world, father of Linux operating system, um, maker of the universal Git distributed version of control system. He also and bundles. he likes the uh, Ryzen Threadripper, does he? He also bundles developer workstations, recently upgraded his PC to a speedy AMD Threadripper 3970X-based processor. Um, Travelis re- revealed when he used his last pro- his latest programming PC, total price, 3500 which is basically what I paid for mine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you can buy the... He's got his um, product list uh on amazon so you can literally go through and you can actually buy the exact computer that he's using to do all this to do all this stuff on it's a full list of this actually very similar to my computer now that i'm looking at it what's his motherboard (laughs) he's course, he's running for he's running fedora he's running fedora (laughs) that's interesting i wouldn't have necessarily picked that but um that's his motherboard same memory i've got same hard drive i've got same Actually, same power supply. I don't have that. Same case I've got. Noctura. I've got a Noctura. Cool, not that one, but a different one. Gigabyte TRX40. That's uh, actually the same board I'm running. The only difference is I don't have the Threadripper. I've got the 39... I think it's like 3965 or something. It's the model immediately before the Threadripper. Uh, other right. than that, it's basically exactly the same as the system <laughs> I've got. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> But yeah, I hang on, that... hang on. Are you is are you really Linus <laughs> yes, Torvalds? I'm so good at Linux that I don't even know I can use it. <laughs> but uh, that's interesting. I, I hadn't actually looked at that list before. I just saw the story. I thought the story was interesting that you know in these times he's decided to upgrade his computer and you can see what he's upgraded to. You know, when you brought up that page and I saw the thread drip, I thought that was an ad, and you're about to say. Linus Torvalds has just uh, updated his Linux with this new feature or something. <laughs> and you're like, no, it, it, it is the Threadripper. Yes, yes. Oh, I thought it was just an ad stuff. You know, you go to a news page, it's got like yeah. two sentences and then 50 ads that take up the rest of the site. Yep. No, he actually had a... Um, he actually uh, had a... It's interesting to watch. It's like... Uh, three hours or so interview he did on ZDNet. Uh, they got it up on their website. You can you can go and look at it uh, and watch it. It's quite interesting. But he, um, yeah, he talks a lot about it, everything he's up to and what he's doing. And he's real. He's writing Linux five point seven release candidate seven. Um, and he's saying for the first time in fifteen years, his desktop isn't Intel based. This is the first AMD he's had in fifteen years. Oh wow! Um, he said he got it because it is just so insanely powerful that nothing Intel can even remotely come close. Um, AMD's getting back to where it used to be. Uh, yeah, it's coming. It's the the it's called Threadripper for a reason. Like it, yep. it it's its processing ability is far superior. You know, it's it's a thirty two core. Uh, it's using the seven nanometer um, cores. It's got eighty eight PCIe four. Um, 90% faster than the um, the closest i9-1090 or 109-80 or whatever it is, the 
high-end Intel. Yeah. yeah, it's 90% faster than that. You know, it's just like... <laughs> um, Performance-wise, everybody I know, like, you listen to any of the Twitch streamers, you listen to any of the video editors, the game creators, the renderers, they're all running Threadrippers now just because they're so damn powerful. Oh, wow. Um, I have to read up some more about them. Yeah, and as I said, I got my board supports a Threadripper, but I went for the... Um, yeah, the model bef- immediately before the thread because it was like my my CPU is like three hundred dollars, I think, and then yeah. the thread ripper was like twelve hundred. <laughs> like Whoa. there was like this jump. I thought you were yeah. going to say eight or something. No, it was a massive jump between between them, which is why I, I stuck with the. <laughs> Uh, no, let me yeah, see. I was nearly going to go Ryzen when I got my computer, but a couple of years ago when I got it, they were having some problems reported with the Ryzen. They've obviously fixed them and going crazy now. But so I got the i7 instead. But um, yeah, Ryzen sounds really good, especially the thread preference. Because there's a 39, I think it's a 3950 and a 3970. 3970 is a new one that's just come out. It's um, 18, actually, I was, I was understating it. It's 1800 US. Whoa. <laughs> so yeah it's a, it's a little expensive but the thing is you buy it you're done you, you don't need you, it's going to be 10 years before you're going to need to buy another system yeah. so whilst it, it you know it sounds like a lot of money it is a lot of money but you might spend as I said mine's a three and a half grand that's including the graphics card and everything else it's three and a half grand PC so it's going to cost you say four and a half but if it's a 10 year PC and you're using it for what it's designed for, yep. um, it's not really that much of a stretch to... You're not to buying a $3,500 PC to do Facebook and check emails. No, and I mean, look at, look at the size of the processor. <laughs> I mean, wow. that's, that's nearly as big as the palm of your hand. Like, <laughs> it's, it's insane. Uh, it, you know... That's why I can do. They've got so much. They've just gone. No, we don't need to worry about size. It's just, the size thing's <laughs> not not an issue anymore because everything else is so small. There's so much room on the board. We can um, get away with putting such a a big processor in there now. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, the thirty nine seventy and the thirty nine sixty. Yeah, the thirty nine sixty. I think is only about eight hundred bucks. Um. Yeah. Um, <laughs> only. Because it's <laughs> US. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like. Um, uh, it's a, it's few less cores, I think. It's like twenty four cores or something instead of thirty two. Yeah. But um, but yeah, you look at all the benchmarks on it. And the benchmarks on on some of the benchmarking software, the benchmark just it goes completely off the chart because the, the benchmarking software can't handle the the power of them. They need to write new ones. You know they got um, it's a so the thirty nine sixty, which is yeah fourteen hundred US, so it's it is a bit less. Um, it's a 24 core, 48 thread, 3.8 gig with a 4.5 gig boost, 140 meg cache. Um, oh. <laughs> which is which is insane. Um, and it's a 100 meg um, clock speed. Um, the 3960. Just trying to see the, the specs on it, but yeah. Can't. Remember when they had one meg caches and that was pretty cool? Well, I remember when was it the L, they had six forty k and then they bought out the L two cache and it was like yeah two, <laughs> a two meg L two cache and you're like whoa <laughs> two meg of level two wow <laughs> never gonna use that 
No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just thought it was. I, no, I just thought it was really cool that you know. That's just you know the guy who has been a staunch Intel developer. Hence the reason Linux traditionally never worked well on AMD devices because it was developed specifically for Intel devices on Intel's yep. for Intel's. I just find it great that this guy who's used Intel's basically his whole career suddenly discovered AMD's again. <laughs> and Fedora. Yeah, I know that was interesting. Like, and, why? And why you the... well, want to read up and find out why he's using Fedora. Yeah. I mean, I know why I would use it. I want to know why he would use it. Yeah, that's what I thought was interesting. Like, out of all the things you could use, Fedora seems like a, you know, traditionally, you well, I guess, but I sort of in your head, you, got, you ping him as like a Red Hat or a... You know, like a traditional Ubuntu or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, speaking of smaller computers, the Raspberry Pi Foundation has doubled the maximum amount of RAM available in the Raspberry Pi 4 to 8 gigabytes, with the new device selling for $75. To take advantage of the RAM increase, the Foundation is also releasing a new 64-bit version of its operating system in early beta. The new Raspberry Pi 4 is otherwise identical to the device that was announced in June last year, meaning it has the same ARM-based CPU and HDMI, USB 3 and Ethernet ports. 8 gig is a lot of RAM considering the Raspberry Pi's size and price. It's the same as many flagship smartphones released this year and enough for an entry-level gaming PC. The Raspberry Pi Foundation says the additional memory should be useful for compiling large pieces of software, running heavy server workloads, or maybe just having more browse tabs open at once. We're sure that it won't take long for the community to come up with many interesting users. To take full advantage of the increased amounts of RAM, the Foundation is also releasing a 64-bit version of its Raspbian operating system in early beta, renamed to Raspberry Pi OS. The Linux-based operating system currently uses 32-bit kernel, which means it can't fully use the 8 gig of RAM. If you'd rather not run beta software, there are other 64-bit OSs available for the Pi 4, like Ubuntu and Gentoo. As well as the new 8-gig model, the Raspberry Pi 4 is available with 4-gig and 2-gig RAM for $55 and $35, respectively. Yeah, and don't forget, too, they've still got all the traditional stuff out. They've still got the <coughs> Pi Zero and the W and the, the Bs and the... The Pi 3s, the Pi 2s. They're damn good for running emulators and old software. Oh, and They they really are. Like, I mean, I use a, even though they, they call it underpowered, I've got a Pi 0W running my OctiPi, OctiPrint server for my 3D printer. Um, I'm going to buy what another one. Need? I mean, you can't, okay. I'm, the reason they're underpowered is because it's using a software-driven Wi-Fi card. Yeah, the same as back in the day, you used to get a win, what they called a win modem. Which, if you had yeah. a slow computer, you'd try to use the modem, and it'd make the computer even slower because it was it was doing the processing work of the modem. Yeah. It's the same thing with the Pi Zero. The Pi Zero far itself is plenty fast enough, but if you are constantly hitting the network, it really slow the performance down. So you can't use it for say running um, Octopi Plus the webcam software, it, it won't do it. It's not powerful enough. But if you just want to use it as the Octoprint server, it's perfectly fine. It's fine. And for $18 or whatever it is, yep. you know, it's it's more, it's more the cheapest way to run a, a print server. 
Um, so I've got one for that, and I've got one I'm in the middle of setting up for my little mini CNC router thing that I got the other day. Yeah. Um, and I've got an original, I thought I had, an original Raspberry Pi, um, which was, where's that gone now? That's interesting. Um, that I was using for, here we go, an original Raspberry Pi uh, in one of the original cases he used to be able to get them back in the day. Yep. Um, this thing has copped a flog and it's run overclocked its entire life. It's run hot. It's just, oh man, poor thing. But um, <laughs> still it, going. It's running. I'm in the process of installing my home automation software on this so that I can u- incorporate. You know, obviously, Google Home does some stuff, and Alexa does some stuff, and Siri does some stuff, and whatever the Microsoft one is does some stuff. Um, but this one, the, the, I'm using a. In, there's actually a software developed in India that incorporates all of those APIs and puts them into one piece of software, so that they can all interwork with each other. So the device that would normally only work, say you've got a proprietary lights or you've got proprietary things that would only work with that manufacturer, they've got them figured and they have it all running through one piece of software, so that it can be. You can use your phone instead of having, say, a home mini in every, a Google mini in every room. You can use the, the speaker, the microphone on your phone, have this hooked up as your server, and communicate with this via your phone and have full automation throughout the house. Nice. So, but, and apparently, this is the original Pi A, not even the Plus. This is like 128 mega amp. Yep. <laughs> um, and like a 700 meg processor. Um, and apparently this is actually m- overpowered for what that so- piece of software requires. That's how well they've developed it. Oh, nice. So the, you can pick these up for like $4 now. <laughs> so, look forward to your YouTube video, your new home automated system uh, when it's ready. All I need is somebody to go to work for me so that I can still get money <laughs> and spend time at home to actually get all this stuff you already up and said you got no customers what's your excuse <laughs> yeah but i get paid to go to work regardless of, i get paid <laughs> i get paid salary whether customers come in or not so i need somebody just to go and open the shop for me for the day so i can spend it at home <laughs> and do other stuff <laughs> but no that's cool like <clears throat> memory has always been one of the issues with the raspberry Pis um for running bigger stuff like servers or um, storage devices, things like that, even using them as far as a game server like a Minecraft server or something like that, the processors have always been powerful enough, but they haven't had enough memory to do it. With the 8 gig option now, there's, there's, it really does open up. Even if you think about it, um, for example, arcade emulation, the, the process is more than strong enough to run three or four emulators at the same time, but you haven't had the memory to do it. If you've got, f- especially with Linux now, you you could have... 8 gig of RAM, so you could have four emulated 2 gig um, arcade servers, so you could actually literally have four people playing arcade games at the same time using one one device. Yep. So it's going to become a really cheap way of doing a lot of that sort of stuff now. Um, even for, like, okay, for your kid to do the homework effectively, they need to do web browsing. And they need to do a Word document. That's that's like all they need to do, which they can do in Google Docs anyway. Yep. So now this $80 credit card becomes a powerful enough PC for them to use as, you know, 
a, a daily computer they can use to do their homework and then on the weekend they get to use the, the you know your computer for gaming or whatever so it, it's a really cheap option for even like workshops is another example i've got i've got a um an old um actually it's not a pie it's a whatever this thing is i can never remember what they're called neo nano nano plus nano pie something like that i've got one of those running in the shed just with an old 14 inch lcd monitor i had kicking around and it when i need to look up workshop manuals when i need to look up components or quickly order something off ebay that it does that perfectly fine it won't do it it won't even play youtube videos not even powerful enough to do that but it'll do all this other stuff fine you know so for workshop situations where you've got especially in a destructive environment where you've got a lot of fumes or you've got a lot of dust or debris floating around and it's it's destructive on systems having the option to have a 30 or 40 dollar effectively pc that can be very quickly you know you literally throw a uh, SD card in it, so you have a have a stack of SD cards sitting there with ready to go. You have a few. Or USB, on the you were saying. Yeah, I'll get to that. Um, and you literally like, okay, this is dead now. It's been there for three months. So it's full of dust and dirt and crap. Just chuck it out. Get another one. Don't even waste time. It's not worth wasting the time or the energy or the effort on trying to fix it. You literally, they become. I'm, I hate disposable and throwaway society, but. They are, for that sort of money, it literally becomes a disposable item. It, it is cheap enough that that can be the case. Yeah. Um, and yet light enough they can be powered by a USB battery pack for a day. So for people who are on site tracking, you know, doing GPS logging and doing all sorts of stuff, they're a perfect solution. Uh, and yes, the new update to the new 60... Uh, as far as I know, it's only with the 64-bit OS. I haven't fully read into it. I just sort of quickly looked at it. But it does allow, finally, network, uh, sorry, USB booting of thumb drives rather than fiddly dicking around with SD cards. <laughs> Tell us what you really think, Mr. T. Always, right from the very first version of the Pi, the, the most annoying thing about it has been trying to get reliable like readers and writers for SD cards that don't screw it up somewhere along the line. Like, even I've got two different SD writers for the computer, and between writing to the card and putting it into the Pi, it only works about one in five times. Um, especially with the newer micro SDs, because then you've got to go through an adapter to make it work, and then you've got such small pins on the board that it's so easy to get a bad connection. And they're just. Plus, you also have uh, limited limited read and writes on an sd card so every time you're booting off the card you're adding a stress load to the card that's not designed to do thumb drives don't have connect i mean once again they're still limited read write because they're still using solid state memory but you don't have limited um connection you don't have the connection issues that you have with sd cards they're a positive connection they physically fit in there they they don't fall out easy they can take a you know decent abuse Plus, the cards themselves are more robust, not susceptible to static electricity discharges, that sort of stuff. Yeah. But the biggest thing about that is you can use a... And I've actually got one sitting here. You can use a hard drive caddy with a USB cable and an old laptop hard drive that you've got laying around and plug it in. And then you can plug that into your Pi and you can have not only removable storage, but a physical, whether it's a spinning disk like this one or whether it's an SSD, 
you can have unlimited storage, fast storage, fast booting, reliable booting. You know, so it really opens up the possibilities for um, for making a pie much more flexible in in the real world. So yeah, so that'll be good. It'll be good, and then that price will come down. It's a brand new release, so it's eighty five bucks US or whatever it is. That'll come down in a couple of months' time. They'll be fifty bucks by Christmas. You know, so problem. It's going to be good. It's good. <laughs> Australian-made electronic payment payments platform FPOS has fired off a major pricing broadside in its battle to challenge Mastercard and Visa's entrenched systemic hegemony over contactless debit payments, halving its interchange fee clip to just two cents a throw for smaller merchants who route via local scheme. The move, which will take effect from the 1st of July and broke cover after FPOS necessarily flagged the change with regulators, comes on the back of the continued COVID-19 economic slowdown and a sustained push by struggling merchants to get their banks to route tap transactions onto cheaper payment rails. Debit transactions made over FPOS infrastructure currently carry a flat interchange fee of $0.04, cents, but this will fall in the new financial year to just $0.02, cents, thus substantially strengthening the case for banks to more heavily promote the less, least cost routing LCR, which has been vigorously opposed by Visa and MasterCard. The bank fees, uh, fees bank charge merchants for payment facilities have come into sharp focus during the COVID shutdown, with most banks now essentially parking recurring fees, like terminal rental, merchant service and account keeping fees for businesses that are not trading or in hibernation. What's much less known is the big hygiene push to get customers to tap for transactions has created an overnight bonanza for multinational credit card schemes, Visa and MasterCard, because they, in conjunction with banks, route most contactless debit transactions down to their own credit rails. The big hygiene windfall will likely be turbocharged by major grocery retailers bumping the pin-free ceiling for tap transactions up from $100 to $200, as revealed in April. Transaction routing costs remain a red-hot issue for merchants, but it's shopkeepers who wind up wearing the costs of card acceptance. One of the reasons lower-margin businesses attempt to claw back fees through card surcharges or refuse to accept the lights of American Express. Initially, a point solution for lower-value transactions at quick-service restaurants, example, Macca's, vending machines, and so-called unattended purchases like pay at pump for fuel, Contactless transactions, usually without a pin, have now grown to become the norm. I've always done that. I love that. I've got, I could do contactless with my card, contactless with my Android phone, contactless with my Fitbit watch. All of these things I can just use and go bing, pay for things. So it's really good. Yeah, I do the same thing with, um, I got Google Pay and I've got my ING Pay as well, and I can use them on my phone. Um, but as a somebody who uses F like as a retailer, we we use FPOS all the time, but we use Tyro. Mm -hmm. We've been going through Tyro for quite a while. Now it's thirty dollars a month to rent the machine, which you're going to pay no matter pretty much no matter where you go. Some some places offer cheaper machines, but they charge more in fees. Um, but the thing is, there's. Um, they they're such a low rate compared to other banks. Like they don't charge you four cents or whatever. They charge one one percent on all the cards is what they charge. Yeah. Uh, except for 
American Express, I think, which is like 4%, but that's charged by American Express. Um, And the thing is, like, they charge, sorry, they charge 1.1% because the the actual cards themselves charge 1%. So they're charging 0.1% for their cut of the transactions. Um, So if you work that out over. I guess it depends on what you're, you know, if you if you constantly got sales over a thousand bucks, well, okay, it's probably cheaper to pay four cents. But if, you know, for the average small business, paying one percent is a lot less. Um, but the thing is, a lot of people go, "Oh, I'll pay by FPOS, it'll save you the fees." You're like, "No, it it still costs the same, <laughs> whether it's FPOS or pay, Apple Pay or Google Pay or Samsung Pay or." You know, whatever it is, it's it's just one point one percent, regardless. Yeah. You know, so we've been using Tyro for a long time, and, th- and that's part of the reason they it, they just work. They they don't seem to suffer from the outages that a lot of bank specific ones do. It's yep. almost like the banks every couple of weeks do an update and forget about their FPOS machines, and their FPOS machines don't work for two days. Yeah. Um, Tyro don't seem to have that problem. They seem to if if the bank goes down, they cache the transactions and then once it comes back online, they process them all. And oh, right. you've got a guarantee, even if somebody pays on a card that would normally be rejected, um, you get a guaranteed payout, then they chase the they chase the person themselves. Yep. So you get the money regardless. Um, and yeah, no, they're just, they've been, they're really good. Um, I like basically, I like dealing with them just because they're easy to deal with. They were having issues with their ter- their earlier terminals because they were bound by what the market had. But the last lot of terminals they bought out, they've actually designed and developed themselves, and they've yeah. been very reliable. So, brilliant. Yeah. No, it's it's a hidden fee that a lot of people don't think about um, transaction costs. Whether you're using whether you're using Tyro, whether you're using PayPal, whether you're using uh, Stripe. Stripe, you know, there's there's several different variations, but they all cost money. You know, um, there's no way around that unless you're dealing in cash, and nobody wants to do that these days, apparently. No. Nope. <laughs> so, um, here's a bit of a fun story. I shall find the right page and then I'll switch to it. This guy, right here. It's making a miniature IBM 1401 scale model. Scratch built, no 3D printing parts allowed. Sweet. He's, um, it's part of a diorama. It's made of polystyrene mostly. It makes everything by hand. Looks really um, nice. It's the, 14, the 1401s from 1959. It's considered to be the first successful mass-produced computer. Um, he's been working on this diorama since Christmas to celebrate the 60th anniversary. This is what this slot here is actually the um, CPU. Yeah, it's the close-up of the CPU and the um, the transistor card. Uh, it didn't have a dedicated processor like one computer. It's made up of thousands of single transistors, built on what they call an SMS card that were all wrapped by hand. The whole unit was what consisted of the processor. Um, Jeez. And there's the reference. That's the reference picture of the real unit. You can see over on the over on the right hand side there the CPU card that's pulled out yep. with all the mechanical wiring 
Yeah, so that's how he does it. Just polystyrene and sharpies and knives and tape and stuff, super glue. It must take forever. So he's been working on it since Christmas so far. But you can see yep. uh, behind him there's the old, you can see the reel to reel hard, well, memory storage. Yep. We call them hard drive. They'll tape drives, reel to reel tape drives. And they, that's where you stored your data. Um, it looks just, I mean, to give you an idea, that's black bit in the background there, which is a bit hard to see, but that's a um, screen off an oscilloscope. So it's, <laughs> it's like, shows you how small this thing is. Yeah. But this is what, well, a lot of people don't realize this, what you're seeing here is what went to the moon. Yep. All this mechanical wiring and mechanical memory and processing power this is what went to the moon it's it's <laughs> it's mind-blowing that somebody made that worked yeah <laughs> you know, like, um, and they got back yeah you know it, it's interesting there's there's a a thing on youtube i was watching a few months ago um it was a restoration um of the i think it was the memory module from Apollo, um, the original one. Let's see if I can quickly find it. But yeah, here we go. And uh, you sort of see. I feel it's one of the most. Um, where are we? You can see, like, it's literally all this mechanical things, and th this these guys are restoring the. Where is it? We've got a picture of it here somewhere. Yeah, see if I can find it. So, like, these are the memory modules that, over the years, the copper wires have cr have corroded through. Logic module number one, logic module A three, logic module A two. So, what they've actually done is they've actually split these logic modules open. They've gone inside them, and they've actually, yeah. There's there's a good shot of what you're looking at inside. This is wire crossing wire converting analog signals into digital signals and you know yeah. this is your 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 one plus zero you know your yes and your no commands yep. that's that's what you're looking at it's a, an analog way of doing that and these modules are deteriorated to the point where um to the point where yeah they literally had to crack them open and go in there and physically resolder and recreate and they, but not only that, they had to wire trace. Look at that. They, ha <laughs> they had to wire trace this because there's no schematics of this anymore. Yep. They had to figure out what command, what yes, no command made what trigger, make what happen. <laughs> it, and they had to do this hundreds and hundreds of times because this is the trajectory, tra trajectory module that they're working on. That told it, you know, and you got to think that that had to be accurate to the nth degree, you know. But at the end of the day, that's all it was—just a pile of wires soldered together. That somebody, well, there's, there's a oh, probably lost it now. You know, but yeah, it's just if one of those wires is wrong, and they punch in a trajectory, and the coordinates are out by even the slightest amount, 
who knows, they could flip upside down, they could do anything, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, but that's, that is what that guy's making a model of. Right. If, uh, well, effectively, it's a very, very similar technology. It's not quite the same, but it's it's pretty close. Um, I don't know exactly what they it's called the guidance computer, but I don't know exactly what the model was, but same principle. Yeah. But it was what was funny was it was it was purchased from NASA as scrap. Like NASA didn't want it. They they scrapped it all as, as copper scrap. <laughs> and these guys managed to buy it as scrap and they're restoring it. And they've actually recovered data logs from the actual mission off, oh, off okay. this hardware. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Amazon has committed to a second renewable energy project in Australia, unveiling plans for a new 105 megawatt solar farm in New South Wales. The project is one of five new utility scale solar energy projects across the world, which also includes three in the United States and one in China, aimed at offsetting the power used by its data centers and fulfillment centers worldwide. Amazon has pledged to use 80% renewable energy by 2024 and 100% renewable energy by 2030 and reach net, reach net carbon zero emissions by 2040. At 105 megawatts, the second Australian solar project will be larger than the first, which was 60 megawatt, with the capacity to generate 250,000 megawatt hours of clean energy every year. Amazon said this would be enough to power the equivalent of 40,000 average Australian homes. The first renewable project, which is expected to come online in 2021, will see Amazon buy 60 megawatts of power from Canadian Solar's Gunnedah Solar Farm in New South Wales. There's currently no time frame for the second renewable project. Amazon Web Services ANZ Commercial Sector Managing Director Adam Beavis said the new renewable project will allow more energy to be derived from natural renewable resources. Earlier this month, he said that lowering the footprint of AWS's data centers was a considerable focus. The company has a total of 91 renewable energy projects, including 31 utility-scale wind and solar projects across the world that are collectively capable of generating over 2,900 megawatts of electricity. The five new projects will add 615 megawatts to that amount. That's pretty cool. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of solar panels. Yeah. <laughs> and they're getting better and more efficient all the time. Yeah, well, I was reading an article um, last night. There's a company um, has just bought out 35%, I think it is, efficient panels. Oh. Um, normal panels are like 22%, so it's a pretty big jump. Yeah. What it means is basically a panel that's, that's the same size or say... For people who've got, say, a two-kilowatt system on your roof, you might have eight panels. Um, and what it means is you'll now have five panels, you know, to do the same thing. So same you thing. can fit more on your roof or, or whatever. Nice. Um, I just like what some of the companies are doing with with um, the solar panels because solar panels are available in, in different range of colors. Um so some of them are getting quite creative with their their use of what they're doing. Eight bit graphics. <laughs> yeah, they're making different diagrams and patterns and pandas and more pandas and more pandas. <laughs> a lot of pandas. 
Mainly, <laughs> I guess, predominantly because the panels are either grey or or black, so it kind of leads itself to making pandas, I suppose. But it's, or uh, penguins. Oh, yeah, you could do penguins, I guess. Or nuns. Flying nuns, maybe. <laughs> could be. <laughs> Who am I to say? So, but yeah, no, nah, it's that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm not going to get into the whole debate of whether or not solar panels are actually feasible options or not. Yeah. <laughs> in terms of sustaining the how much they make Save as opposed to how much they, they do. Yeah. Um, That's it for you. A couple of quick ones. Um, yep. We're talking a couple of weeks ago about how the Australian government is getting online, getting in line with some of the other countries and making, uh, getting data requests from other countries um, yep. making it easier. Well, re- aside from that, which isn't a thing that they've done yet, um, AFP has issued the United States with 98 telco data requests since 2014. Jeez. So, since 2014, they've, they've been requesting the 98 of them. Um, 209 have been made in the past five years. Uh, that 98 is, is the ones that have been re- uh, accepted, that they've actually made 209. Um, so how is this bill going to be any different? They're, they're already doing it. If they want data from another country, they request it. I guess the only difference is it means they, they'll, they'll get it now and they won't have the option of rejecting it. I don't know. But it sort of seems like a bit of a... <laughs> Where's the privacy gone? A bit of a null and void sort of update to a law that is being misused anyway because they're misusing the uh, wiretap laws uh, at the moment. That's the laws they're, they're putting it under. Yep. Um, but this new one's going to be a whole... What's it called? The um, the Cloud Act. Clarifying Lawful Overseas Use of Data Act. So. Sounds like a Becker name. <laughs> well, yeah, kind of. That is quite literally. Um, <laughs> but that's that's the thing. Like at the moment, they're using it via the the wiretap legislation, saying that you can, you know, that that's what they're bringing it under. But um, I think that the novelty of that's worn off, so they've had to do this other thing. Yeah. Um, Mozilla, Twitter, and Reddit join forces in an effort to block the browsing data from warrantless access. So this is another thing we're talking about where companies are going to be required to store data for three years, I believe, which in itself yeah. is impossible for most companies. But um, And that they're going to basically, the governments are going to be able to, or the courts are going to be able to go, hey, give me the data on this person without any warrants, without any any reason. Uh, so far, seven internet companies have asked the U.S. House to prohibit the warrantless collection of internet search browsing. Um, Mozilla, Engine, Reddit, Reform Government Surveillance, Twitter, I2S Coalition, and Patreon have all asked for legislators to prohibit the warrantless collection. I get Patreon, I get I2 Coalition, I get Reform Government Surveillance because I get Reddit, I get Engine, and I get Mozilla. What I don't get is Twitter. Mm-hmm. Twitter's data collection policies are vague at best, so I don't really understand why they're even... <laughs> it doesn't make sense to me, basically is what I'm saying, that Twitter would be blocking something like that when they've 
blatantly breached data collection laws multiple times anyway. Right. You'll notice Facebook hasn't gone involved. YouTube hasn't gone involved. Like Google hasn't gone involved. There's reasons for that. And I would have assumed Twitter would have been with, with that, but surprisingly not, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and just a quick... Uh, in, well, actually, <laughs> people might get a laugh out of this. I'll let... Um, I'll let Warlock explain this one because this is this pop, this popped up on a mutual friend's feed uh, the other day, and we thought it was quite funny. That's his new NBN connection to his house. When he was a teenager, he had a BBS he ran from his bedroom with twenty-one lines into the house. Now he's got ADSL on one of those lines now; the others are not being used. And TPG turned up to try and connect the NBN through any of those lines. Couldn't get a signal. Came back a week later, tried again, couldn't get a signal. So they got NBN Co. to install yet another connection. And this is what NBN Co. have come up with for his internet connection to the NBN network. And it's very dodgy looking, isn't it? So apparently that's perfectly acceptable via NBN's um, policies. Which yeah. actually in no way surprises me. It's just going to be hilarious when you get more than like an inch of rain and that just becomes a water feature. Yeah. that's Near enough's good enough, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I just thought I'd talk about that because I just thought that that was funny because that's the what thing. What more do I you want? <laughs> yeah, no. But um, quickly, Turla. Uh, they're a hacker group. So basically they're a, they're a Russian government-funded hacker group. It's, that's that's the, They're well-known. Um, I won't bother reading the story too much, but what's quite interesting, they've been known for ransomware, for malware, for just general spying. They've collected, um, they've collected data from the Pentagon and all sorts of stuff. Um, but what they're recently doing is they're creating a virus that downloads antivirus logs from people's computers and then uploads that data to a uh, a Gmail account and then they're using the built-in ability of Google and the Gmail account via the you know the way it allows you to run the office docs and stuff like that basically through spreadsheets and they're pulling out all the valid information from all these emails so they're learning where the weaknesses are within antivirus and firewall browsers and protections so that they can find weaknesses and then obviously go through and, and access them that way. So, as much as... Gmail's helping them. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Like, uh, as much as it's, you know, okay, they're, they're hacking people, whatever. The, the, I just love the fact that they're using basically the thing that everybody has on their computer, which is a, an antivirus, well, most people have an antivirus, an antivirus log coming in via Gmail, then they're downloading that, the virus that's infected your computer, its sole job is to download that log file back to the Gmail so that they can get data on how to access your computer around that antivirus. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's both surprisingly, amazingly clever and also quite scary at the same time. <laughs> Very inventive. <laughs> so... Because even the, the a lot of the security, I love the fact they've called it Comrat. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's funny. 
But, yeah, a lot of the experts are like, well, okay, we've seen the similar sort of thing through a more open platform like um, OneDrive or something like that that's can technically share public data. Like, it's not that uncommon for that to happen. Yep. But for the fact that it literally... Um, it, it literally uses Gmail as the the data collection point. <laughs> you know, a lot of them are calling it actually quite a genius and really clever way of doing it, as scary as it is. So, <laughs> but what's interesting this particular um, this particular uh, virus or malware, I guess you call it, a comrade malware. Um, they've actually been using it since 2008 or 2007 was when it was released. 2008 is when it breached the U.S. military and the Pentagon got their data. So it's it's been it's a very old piece of software that's obviously written quite well because it's still you know still going. Still going. <laughs> so. Mad skills. Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Heads show broadcast weekly. We can be found at facebook.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, twitter.com slash Aussie Tech Heads, youtube.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. For those on video, you can see it up there. Yeah, patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Now also at patreon.com slash Aussie Tech Heads. Sign up for $4 a month, $10 a month, or from several other tiers. Let's see the site for details. Email us glenn, will, or warlock at aussietechheads.com.au. You can hear Aussie Tech Heads on AussieTechRadio.com, 24-7 back-to-back play of some of the best tech-related shows from around Australia and New Zealand. New shows are added each Friday. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Bye.